From Odyssey, I'm Lauren Berry, and this is the On Deadline podcast, where we take a deeper dive into stories from our radio newsrooms across the country. Today, On Deadline is looking at the demise of one of the most iconic magazines in the history of sports. Sports Illustrated held a special place in the world of sports news and entertainment, which is why the news that most staffers had been suddenly laid off was so stunning. With iconic covers and memorable in-depth stories on LeBron James, Tiger Woods, Christy Yamaguchi, the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team, Tyra Banks, Hulk Hogan, Ronda Rousey, and more, plus world-class journalists on its masthead, people have raced for the latest edition since it first began as a weekly magazine in 1954. So where did the downfall begin, and what's next? Is it really, truly over, or just on kind of a hiatus? Here's the backstory. In 2018, SI ended its 64-year run of weekly publication, instead opting for a bi-weekly format. However, with the turn of the decade, even bi-weekly proved to be too much, and it moved to monthly. Its once hefty staff was reduced to a small team. Since then, and with the rise of digital and the fall of print publications, SI has been sold, revamped, licensed, and revamped again. All this to say, it's a bit complicated. Authentic Brands Group purchased SI from Time Inc. in 2018. Then, in 2019, a 10-year licensing agreement was signed with the Arena Group. Fast forward to the beginning of this month, when the Arena Group missed its quarterly payment for the licensing rights, and, as a result, announced this week that it would be making a, quote, significant reduction in its workforce of over 100 employees. Staff were then told that they would continue forward while the issue was resolved, but many received emails that they were terminated immediately. To share more on the legacy of the magazine, former Sports Illustrated writer Alexander Wolf joined Odyssey in the Big Apple. It's another sad day for all of us who once read Sports Illustrated on a weekly basis. It was the gold standard of sports journalism. The magazine known to the world as SI today laid off most of its staff. It's been a rocky road for Sports Illustrated with several layoffs over the past decade. The magazine's future is very much in doubt. Sports Illustrated was once the home of great writers such as Frank DeFord, Gary Smith, S.L. Price, and Alexander Wolf, who spent 36 years at Sports Illustrated, leaving in 2016 the longest tenured writer at Sports Illustrated, and he joins us live here on Drive Time. Alex, good to talk to you once again on this sad day, no doubt, for someone who spent 36 years at Sports Illustrated. A sad day, bud, and and so many of us who were on the masthead during those wonderful glory times just have watched over, say, the last six years as the magazine has sort of been bled away. But fortunately, we can look back on many of us on just covering iconic events, great athletes, telling stories, and the amazing resources that we were given um, in the same way that the resources are being bled away from the magazine here over the last half dozen years. In those days, we had the time, we had the money to travel, we had the access, which is so hard now, to just tell these stories, whether it was the behind the scenes of that game you saw on TV over the previous weekend or that long feature takeout. Uh, that illuminated some personality. So it's a very, very sad day. For those generations of sports fans who have come along and have not been able to enjoy uh, the Sports Illustrated during its uh, golden era, paint a picture for us, especially when you first started. Uh, what were those, uh, what was that first year like for you when you entered into the world of Sports Illustrated? Well, I got there in the fall of 1980, um, and advertising volume was through the roof. 
through the 60s, certainly the late 60s and all the 70s, the magazine was doing so well before Dan Jenkins covering golf and college football. It's almost as if the agenda wasn't set. People didn't know quite what to talk about until certain names, Tex Mall on pro football, Bill Leggett on horse racing, until they had weighed in, uh, Bill Knack on boxing. And it was astonishing, you know, for a young writer like me to, to, to join a masthead like that and then realize, I remember being told this one story that uh, uh, Andre Laguerre, the legendary editor-in-chief who really turned the magazine to this cultural juggernaut that it became, he said, I only have a couple of rules. One was spend what it takes and, and let me know if some editor messes with your copy. So it was that kind of a place where the writers really felt the wind at their back and, and you were encouraged to, to find your voice and, and express it. These layoffs follow a series of embarrassing footnotes for SI. In November, it was discovered that Sports Illustrated had been publishing articles written by artificial intelligence and then crediting authors who weren't real. In the days after the scandal, Manoj Bargava, he's the owner of Five Hour Energy Drink and controlling stakeholder in the Arena Group, held a virtual town hall with staff. During the town hall, he ranted about recycling and said that no one at the company was important. That's according to a report from Front Office Sports. The amount of useless stuff you guys do is staggering, Bargava said. He also reportedly told employees to stop doing dumb stuff and also declared PowerPoints illegal. Many summed it up in one word. Weird. With more scandals in the last two months than issues printed, many are wondering where Sports Illustrated goes from here. Washington Post sports and media reporter Ben Strauss joined Odyssey to talk about what future, if any, there is for Sports Illustrated. All right, Ben, sort out what's going on here. It sounds a little convoluted. How much time do you have? Right. The, there's there's, there's a, a, a big corporate fight going on here between the company that owns Sports Illustrated and the company that pays that company to to publish the magazine, the right to publish the, the print and digital magazine. And the, the group that, that publishes it wants to renegotiate this fee that they have. The company that, that does the licensing doesn't want to renegotiate it. And the result of that corporate fight was today the, this, the staff of Sports Illustrated was given these notices that, that, you know, they're all potentially going to lose their jobs. So this isn't necessarily about the magazine underperforming. Not necessarily about that. Not necessarily about that. Correct. Okay. It's more infighting and, and behind-the-scenes type stuff. Corporate warfare. That's a good way to put it, corporate warfare. What does this say about the magazine industry in general? That, I, right, I think Sports Illustrated, since the sort of like what, you know, people who are my age grew up with Sports Illustrated, that that, that magazine is gone. And in this digital economy where the profits are lower and, you know, everything is smaller, you know, Sports Illustrated has been sold three times, I think, in the last five years. And so you end up with a company that is licensing the, the publishing rights, right? That's sort of an unheard of arrangement. And so I think that all of this is indicative of a really um, diminished industry both both in magazines, but also you're seeing it across media, across news. It's it's just um it's really just all bad news right now. I wonder what this means for the future of Sports Illustrated because Ben, we know there are people out there right now that are saying, Whoa, 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 what about the swimsuit issue? Yeah, I don't think it bodes well for the future. You know, whether they work this out, you know, whether some of these employees are saved, this is 
just awful for the the brand of Sports Illustrated. Anybody who's heard about this story, I don't know what happens to the Sports Illustrated issue specifically, but but this is you know you can only do drag a brand through the mud so many times before it's just tarnished, you know, forever. Is there any hope that perhaps somebody else might buy it, or does this look like the end? You know, I if I had to guess, maybe these two you know billionaires fighting over this come to some sort of agreement in the next few days and some of these jobs are saved but i don't know how good these jobs are like when you are what happens the next time these two billionaires are fighting with each other so maybe they get through it this time but but i i think the future is pretty bleak for for sports illustrated The layoffs at Sports Illustrated aren't singular to that media company. 2023 was a rough year for journalists. For example, the New York Times closed its sports section last year. Instead, it opted to rely solely on The Athletic, which it purchased in 2022. Other media outlets also faced layoffs last year, including The Athletic, The Washington Post, NPR, and more. Brian Stelter, a special correspondent for Vanity Fair, joined Odyssey to share more on the tough year in media as legacy media companies try to find a way forward in a new digital world, where many expect their content to be free, even though no one creates it without a cost. So this isn't a very good time to be practicing in the field of journalism, and I suspect, uh, by extension, therefore, it's a very bad time for American democracy that doesn't have access to the journalists it ought to have. So where is it going from here? Well, as you mentioned, you know, the sagging advertising is the loss of a form of a subsidy, and there haven't been replacements for this kind of revenue uh, to the same degree that are needed. Um, you know, yes, there's subscription models all over the place, uh, some growing more strongly than others. But the Los Angeles Times is showing how difficult it is to uh, make a profit with a big, robust newsroom. And uh, you know, I, I suspect we're going to continue to see these dour headlines uh, across the media industry as it contracts and reshapes in the digital age. Well, but that's the thing, though, Brian, right? I mean, there was this notion not too long ago that, that digital versions of, of uh, newspapers, that was going to be the answer. But it doesn't, at the moment, economically anyway, seem to be the answer. It, it's in some ways a better deal for the consumer than for the owners of media. And, and here's what I mean by that. We have at our fingertips access to more information than ever before in human history. And tomorrow, we're going to have even more access than we did today. You know, in terms of what is within reach, uh, it, it's an extraordinary offering. So consumers are in some ways better off than ever. And, and yet, uh, paying the bills, finding ways to finance the, all this content, that's getting harder than ever unless your name is Google or Meta or yeah. Apple or one of these giants. And so in the land of the giants, it becomes increasingly hard for a Sports Illustrated or an LA Times to make a profit. And that is kind of the the interesting dilemma, uh, Brian, isn't it? That that you're quite uh, right, that from the consumer's point of view, you can go to Google, you can go now to, you know, uh, AI, you know, and, and get answers to a lot of questions about what's happening in the, in the country, in the community, whatever. But all of that is actually piggybacking, some would say stealing, from, you know, newspapers, uh, broadcast networks, established news organizations. And as the ranks of those journalists rapidly decline, then, yeah, you can Google a whole bunch of stuff. But where is that original stuff coming from? 
<laughs> right. Sometimes when you're using AI or using chat GBT, you're hearing like a game of telephone, yeah. but if there's no one there to begin, begin the game, then right. there's no way to play. Uh, and, and that, and that is a very real concern. It basically across this industry, uh, you know, the New York times is, is faring well, NBC, CNN faring well beyond that it is getting harder and harder. But here's, I think the, the positive, the silver lining here, it is easier than ever to go out and launch something new. And I give an example out of Maryland, the Baltimore sun this week being taken over by a right wing owner who seems to dislike the product. Yeah. And at the same time, this week, there's been a surge in subscriptions for a new alternative called the Baltimore Banner. Mm -hmm. So in other words, it's easier for, for startups, for journalists to go out and start new things. And frankly, we may see that in California soon in, in Los Angeles because the LA Times is in for another round of layoffs and those laid off journalists could go out and start their own subsect. Central to the Sports Illustrated story, and many others, is the decline of print and the rise of digital. Constant innovation is required to stay afloat. So, will Sports Illustrated figure out its second act? Columnist Brendan Clean of Awful Announcing thinks so. He wrote that it can be saved with great, modernized content that people will pay for, niches that have a loyal audience, SI conferences or educational series, and capitalizing on sports betting and video. Creating a successful business around sports content in 2024 isn't impossible, he wrote. It just requires throwing out the playbook from a generation ago. Safe to say, we all hope so. This show is produced by Joe Heady, Christy Strauser, Myron Kaplan, and Bill Smee. And I'm Lauren Barry. Thanks for listening to On Deadline, Odyssey's serving of a top news story just for you. Subscribe on the Odyssey app or wherever you find your podcasts to stay informed. 